most important NFL draft in Chicago Bears history. There have been 87 NFL drafts, and the Bears have had the first overall draft pick only two times. This will be the third time. What will they do with it? Who should they target? How many players would they like to have uh, back in return or draft picks back in return if they trade this number one pick? Who are the top players that we should know about? We're going to cover those topics, so many more over the this season of Draft on Tap, three and a half, four months of intense football talk with two guys who I respect their opinions uh, immensely. Foster Covers in the chat room said, uh, I met these two draft evaluators. These aren't just guys. <laughs> no, they're not. And let me welcome in Danny Shimon, who has been co-host of this show since the very beginning. This is your fifth season on Draft on Tap. Danny, congratulations. Thank you, thank you, and and that that is uh, that's the first time I've seen this the new intro. That is uh, that's good work there, Senor. Sure. Thank very, you. Very nice work. Uh, very very impressed. But yeah, I mean, uh, ready to kick it off. Excited. Uh, th this is going to be a, an exciting time here. Uh, this this whole off season for the, for the Bears. You know, going right off right off a disappointing season that ended up you know, getting them the number one overall pick, and now obviously going to free agency first. See how they fill or what kind of needs they fill there, and then from there we're going to go ahead and, and and try and fulfill this. this draft class it's, it's only eight picks now but i have a feeling that that ryan poles is going to come out of this this draft with more than more than eight picks yeah that's one thing that uh we all have confidence that he can do he can acquire draft picks all right let me five last year to 12 so how about that that's that's a minor miracle without a doubt 
Let's bring in our good buddy, Neil Stopchinski. Neil, uh, this is what, year number three for you on Draft on Tap. It is wonderful to have you back for another year so that you can bring your uh, scouting analysis and all the information that you pick up from people in the college football industry that you've known over your years. Welcome back, brother. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me back for year three. Tell you what, new year, new logo, new intro. Everything is new and fresh and exciting, man. It is. And so is our this position that the Bears are in, right, Neil? I mean, this is the first time they've got this uh, number one draft pick in decades. Um, are we going to blow this? I mean, <laughs> you're a very uh, positive person, Neil, but uh, are you a little nervous about this awesome responsibility Ryan Poles has? Not at all. Uh, you know, this is the best situation we've ever been in the draft of my life. You know, got the number one pick, have all the leverage. We basically run the draft right now. And mm -hmm. as Danny said last year, we turned a bunch of picks and a bunch of more picks. And right now we're sitting at eight. We can easily be at 12 to 15 by the time we get out of this thing. So I'm ready to rock and roll. Danny, what do you think about the fact that this is the first time in decades that the Bears have had the number one overall pick? I know I know you you and Neil uh, are cut out of the same cloth in that you love this time of the season, maybe even more than the NFL regular season. What do you think about the fact that the Bears are in this un, uh, in very enviable position? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I've never had that. Obviously, never, the Bears never had the first overall pick in, in my lifetime. So this is, this is a very exciting time. I mean, the, we were watching the end of that, that Texans game be, before we, we came on for bear football for the post game show on Sunday. And we were, my heart was racing. I was like, I was like so excited. I was, I was more nervous for that than any, any point this season for, for a bears game. So it's, uh, you know, I, I definitely excited. Uh, you know, you asked Neil if, if you think uh, if he's confident in Ryan Poles. You know what? I, I cannot sit out here and say I'm, I'm confident in Ryan Poles because so far some of the moves he's made, albeit, you know, it, it was more of a teardown than a buildup so far. But some of the moves he's made, it's, it's got my my he's got my attention. So so like I said and on Sunday, you know, th this is now Ryan Poles' team. This is now Matt Eberflus' team. So, you know, from here on out, you know, this is where you guys, you know, fans keep receipts and, and, and you can't blame. Matt Nagy can't blame Ryan Pace, can't blame any any previous regime. These are going to be their their team, their players, their picks, and their their you know their signings, their free agent signings. So we'll see how it goes. But definitely keeping a, a close eye on Ryan Poles and company and see how they go ahead and and, and utilize this pick um, to go ahead and, and and gain more assets. You know, I'm kind of in there with uh, you know uh, Foster Covers here too. Says he never thought he'd see this happen in his life. Yeah, I think we all could easily say that we never thought we'd ever see this happen in our lifetimes. You know, the Bears being that atrocious to where we have the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> so, hey, we're rolling right there with you, brother. Well, Neil, and and I, I am interested in the way that you put that. They were so atrocious. Do you think that this team has a huge, huge uh, abyss to climb out of? Or do you think that we're closer than, you know, the record indicates to getting to respectability, let's say, playoffs in 2023? Uh, two things there. I do think that we are closer than the record indicates. I can think back to at least six, seven, eight games over the course of the past few months that we were, you know, within a score from uh, a, a ton of those games, at least a handful where we just got absolutely screwed royally by the reps uh, that would given us chances to win in those games, put us at least in a better position to succeed in those games, if that makes sense. But, uh, you know, guys, I, I said a year ago, and everybody listening will probably remember this if you're an avid listener of the show, almost exactly a year ago, I said, we got to temper our emotions 
temper our, our, uh, our frustrations, temper our anger, everything for this upcoming season, because it's not going to be pretty. Now I thought it would at least be six, seven wins, you know, pretty enough, but I also knew that, you know, we're in a massive rebuilding year to where, um, you know, and, and as we talked about at length, Ryan Pace left us with nothing in the cupboard and zero resources with which to work with. And so, yes, I'm absolutely positive about this because now we have at minimum $118 million of, of uh, you know, free agent capital with which to work with. We're going into the draft with eight picks. Um, I, I think uh, you know, we're seeing at four of which in the top 100 or so. And, and so that, that's, that's uh, you know, some, some things to be optimistic about, you know, moving into this. And, uh, you know, with, with all these resources that we have now, and, you know, Ryan Poles talked about this a couple of days ago. I can't remember exactly when it was in his, you know, postseason press conference, but he talked a couple of days ago about how, you know, he's happy he has the resources. They're going to go into this offseason. They're going to evaluate everything from the top down. And uh, we're going to come up with a plan here in the next week or two and roll into uh, free agency by, by, by March with, with a plan for that. And then that will shape exactly what we're looking at in terms of, in terms of our draft capital and also our draft plan. Let's take uh, in this episode. I want to take a kind of a little bit more of a macro look at this draft season, really off season, uh, before we get into our regular shows where we're going to go more in depth into player evaluations. So, a couple of topics I want to touch on. Um, we have to make decisions on free agents for 2023. Uh, players whose contracts are um, are over in what two or three months so let's take a look at some of these players who are free agents in 2023 and as we build this roster for 2023 which players here do you feel are absolute must sign uh players now equinemia st brown top of the right hand column there he is already locked in for for on a one-year contract the rest of these guys are players who are available danny let me start with you who do you think Ryan Pace, he's clearly not going to overpay any one of these guys, right. but who, who would you like to see him target? Right. Well, that's what I was going to start saying. Like, if, if we lose any one of these guys, it's not going to sit up there and lose sleep over it. But, <laughs> but I'm a huge DeAndre Houston Carson fan. I've been, I've been a DHC fan for forever. Uh, you know, what he, he filled in, I, I think, I believe admirably today, or th this year, I should say, uh, when, when Eddie Jackson went down. So, you know, he's not going to be a, a all pro safety, but he's a guy that's solid. Solid veteran. Uh, he brings that that presence, that leadership in in, in the locker room. Uh, terrific special teams player. And then, like we saw this year, when someone goes down, he can step in and, and be a solid contributor there in, in the defensive backfield. So, uh, DHC is a guy I would I would sign. Um, you know, Josh Blackwell. I, I thought they I thought he was under contract, but anyway. But he's a he's a kid that I know they put picked him off of the um, the Eagles. Uh, one, one one of the final cuts there, uh, last cuts. Uh, Blackwell came in. I thought when he was given an opportunity to play the nickel, uh, I thought he acquitted himself nicely. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I would at least bring back and, and just kind of put him in the mix there. Uh, and also another guy that that played uh, pretty good special teams as well. So I think you know those two guys right here, you know, kind of stick out to me in terms of guys on the list. Nick Morrow uh, is, is a solid, you know, veteran linebacker. Uh, you know, depending on what you do in in the draft and in free agency in terms of that that group there, I, I think Sanborn is, is going to be probably your starter at middle linebacker is my guess right now. Uh, but but if you bring back Nick Morrow, I mean, you could do worse, right? Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But I mean, those three right now just kind of stick out to me. Um, Matthew Adams is, is a guy that I think I, I like a lot as well, but but he's also a guy that just doesn't stay healthy. You know, when he's on the football field, another guy that on uh, special teams really 
you know, comes out and contributes. And also when he, when he fills in, he, he's a nice, you know, physical presence there in that second level of the, of the defense. So, you know, those are the guys that out, but again, none of these guys is going to break the bank. So you know, I, I assume some of these guys will be, will be brought back. Dale, I wonder if you object with any of those uh, comments from Danny assessments. Uh, agree with a lot of that. Uh, Nicholas Morrow is a guy that, you know, I automatically pegged as soon as uh, we start talking about uh, uh, re-signing uh, free agents as a guy that you want to bring back with uh, the work that he did uh, at the second level this year. I really like what he brings to the table. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson kind of feel is this Bears version of Sheriff Hennis, a guy that really excels on special teams, does all the little things really well, intangibles, you know, as – as much as you can possibly have, I wouldn't definitely would not mind having him back. And if you remember, Sherrick McManus was an, was a guy also that continuously signed one year contracts, two year contracts, just kept himself alive. The ultimate survivor of the last generation of uh, of guys that are uh, you know special team studs. Um, you know, retired just a couple of years ago. But I see DeAndre Houston Carson fitting that same type of mold, and so I would like to have him back. Patrick Scales, he can't ever have. Uh, you know, enough of a good long snapper that can get the job done consistently. But, uh, you know, Matthew Adams, I kind of I kind of agree. Would like to see him back. Would love to see him healthy, however. Uh, but, uh, you know, that linebacker group that we worked with this year brings Sanborn back, and I'm not upset about Sanborn, Morrow, Matt Adams, and Joe Thomas. You know, those, those are four guys. I, I think you can mix and match those guys. And, of course, Sanborn being, being the, uh, the absolute beast that he is kind of anchored that thing unexpectedly completely even though we had a lot of very, very positive things to say about him, our draft wrap-up wrap show last year. Didn't expect that out of the, out, out of the kid. Um, and then Armand Watts, I thought, was a guy that outside of Justin Jones was another guy across the defensive front that actually you know, produced and you know, was a very solid player with, with his size, with his uh, you know, motor that he played with. Another guy that just came out of absolute nowhere to be, you know, mildly productive. I think he's a guy that you can bring back on the one-year, two-year deal, not break the bank, have some quality depth if, if he's not ended up being a starter. And then uh, the the Josh Blackwell kid, man, you know, he, he played about five snaps, but, you know, he made a difference in a lot of those snaps that he played. And uh, would nice to see him back as well. So, I mean, I guess I just talked about half of that, that roster that you put up there, but I think there's some quality depth. Mm-hmm on that roster that we can work with. And as you talked about ESB signing him back for another one year deal, I said on Twitter last week, when we brought him back, once that, that, that contract went through, that's another absolutely quality depth piece of a, of a guy that has great size, consistently reliable hands, very smart, knows the offense and is trusted. But that's one thing there. We we all talked about, and I think you guys all agree, all those guys we named, but they would just bring, depth right other than maybe that nick morrow exactly. could possibly start these are not starters right so so if you go through the bears roster you know you're, you're bringing back guys that give you depth veterans that could, that could add something to the locker room guys that can give you some nice backups that have had playing experience in case your starters next year hopefully improvement you know in terms of talent wise the guys in front of them get hurt you guys these guys can plug in and, and play for whether it's a half a game a game or, or a down or two or whatnot do you think um that uh, this coaching staff, because uh, Iberflus was asked about his staff. Let me play the clip, and and this is his response to the question that you can kind of read into that there's some changes coming. Oh, I, as I said after the game, you know, I'm going to meet with those guys here shortly, uh, each one of them, um, and uh, we'll evaluate everything as we go. Um, but, uh, again, it's the NFL. A lot of things move, a lot of things change, a lot of things adjust. So uh, we'll address that when we get there. 
So a big part of building a successful football team is having position coaches uh, who do a good job at developing, developing players. Which position group to you guys do you think was a weakness this year and therefore would put the job of that position coach in danger? Did Danny start with you? For me, it, it'd be a defensive line. Um, now, you know, some might say, you know, th there was enough talent there. True. But, you know, uh, like, like Neil said, you know, Justin Jones had a solid, you know, veteran season. Armand Watts flashed. You know, Travis Gibson came in uh, off of a seven-sack season. He's a guy that I thought was going to go ahead and take off this year and possibly continue to grow. But, you know, you know, so, you know, defensive line really didn't didn't play well. Uh, I mean, in terms of, you know, playing the run, they were so inconsistent. You know, one week they, they would, you know, go ahead and, and, and stop the run. Next week they would be gashed easily by by, by teams you, you were not expecting to gash them. So, obviously, and then we talked about, you know, the, the pressure up front, you know, no pressure on, on the quarterback whatsoever. Um, so I, I think, you know, the first, the first uh, position group, if you will, like that came to mind was, was a defensive line for me. Neil, um, what do you think? For me, uh, you know, Alan Williams scares me. It, it seemed like we did a really good job of, of, uh, you know, scheming up adjustments at halftime, coming back to second half, you know, and, and uh, you're really flipping the script on, you know, what we did wrong in quarters one and two. And granted, that was also when we had Roquan. It was also when we had Robert Quinn. We had, we had right. more depth. Guys were healthier and everything else. But at the same time, you know, you, you got you to gotta be concerned when giving up the most points in the NFL over the course of the second half of the season. And uh, that, that, that's, that's one of the scary things I thought about. But, you know, I didn't want to just hinge on, yeah, Danny, I agree, you know, by, by saying defensive line. I want to bring up another topic that I thought was, you know, highly concerning. And maybe that, that is just a product of not having the talent, not having the depth, not, guys not being healthy, all those different types of variables that you factor into that. Basically playing like, like this past weekend with, with, a, with a practice squad team in the secondary. You know, we we got to we got to get better field number one. We got to get uh, you know uh, a, a better game plan with what we're doing with those players number two. I think that's across the board. So yeah, you know, Flus is going to go in and sit down with all these coaches like we do every single year at, at all levels of football. We're going to talk about what we did right, what we did wrong, and then uh, there there's surely going to be turnover. There is every year. It's just the the, the level to which we have the turnover that is going to be something to talk about here in the next few months. Yeah. Well, it's already been reported that, that James Rowe, there you are, I think assistant DB, DB coach is is leaving, mm -hmm. I believe, correct? That is correct. Took an OC he, job uh, at uh, uh, was it George Southern or something like that? I forget. It sounds right. It sounds like a small uh, college. Good luck to him. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he helped. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he reignited Eddie Jackson's career, and he worked with a lot of young guys in the defensive backfield. And that was really the, the strength of this Bears defense in 2022 was the defensive backfield. If they would have had a, a pass rush, they probably would have even right. more turnovers than they produced. And they did a nice job of producing turnovers uh, late in the season. And early in the season, if I recall correctly, it was kind of a gap in the middle there where they weren't turning over the ball as well. But uh, well, any other thoughts on coaches before we move, move on? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to kind of judge these guys because you know you kind of knew what what was going on this season in terms of what the Bears' plan was and what they were trying to do. So you know that's the thing. Like I have my eye on all these coaches coming into next season because like I said right now is like even like 
the special teams coach, Richard Hightower, you know, there, there are times that coverages were, were pretty damn good. And there are just times where there are just, you know, people not, not maintaining their lane integrity, you know, uh, big returns here and there, you know, so it's, 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 you know, I think everyone's going to be under the microscope, uh, you know, coming into next season, uh, what we, what we assume is going to be a, 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 a team that's going to be restacked with talent. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Let me uh, move on to another topic. Uh, uh, a couple of the players on this team, young players that were acquired recently, uh, are vital for the success of this team. One of them that comes to mind immediately when I think of this topic is Braxton Jones. And Braxton, there's almost like a, half the Bears fans feel like he should go or be moved to another position, that he's not uh, a promising left tackle. And the other half believe that he is a promising left tackle. And one of his biggest deficiencies deficiencies was dealing with the pass, the bull rush and a couple of other moves. He was asked about that recently. This was his response. It's a little long, but I think it's a lot of fodder for thought here, not only about Braxton, but about the offensive line in general. There's a lot of different moves, but obviously the biggest one is obviously the bull rush, but that's the most simple move. Everybody gets beat by the bull rush sometimes here here and there. So um, I would say I just need to be better in that instance. So, um, you know, when you stop that, it kind of it's, – it's hard to, you know – keep on going in terms of a rush like people usually they go from doing like a, you know a ghost move or a cross chop to then bull rushing but people start out with bull rushing me so um it just will eliminate those things and will able to open up my arsenal a little bit and um it will just help me so i think you know after this off season it will be super important you know obviously like i've talked about all season um all year obviously needed you know Go into the offseason, get stronger. Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, but um, I think it's it's definitely fixable. I'm not. It's not like I'm light years away away from my need to, where I need to be, but I think it's just a combination of a lot of things that will. Uh, you know, this this time I've never had before. You know, I've, I haven't had a full. You know, how many ever months? It seems like it's going to be forever next time that we're all in this building together. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of time that I can. You know, maximize that time and work on all those little things and they will all come together neil what's the ceiling for braxton jones ceiling is is uh whatever he wants to make of it to be honest with you he's probably made it further than a lot of people gave him credit for or projected him to go um the thing i love about this kid first and foremost that he's grown up you know he he does a good job of articulating himself he has great you know personal and football character he works his ass off at, at his craft he came from a place that maybe 13 people heard about before the draft commenced, you know, nine, uh, however many months ago it was, you know, back in, in April, Southern Utah. I, I think there's a state at the end of that, you know, uh, not many people know about Southern Utah state. It is a bottom of the barrel FCS program. Their basketball program is hell of a lot more, more, uh, you know, no noteworthy and, and successful than their football program is. So, uh, he came from a place that, uh, you know, he probably wasn't developed all that well. He probably was an under-recruited kid or not recruited at all. But he does have the things that you can't teach, and it's, it's length and it's size and it's athletic ability and things that we arguably have never had at the left tackle position. With him, it's just a matter of, you know, working at his craft like he talked about and getting his ass in the weight room and getting stronger, especially in the trunk. He needs to be able to, be able to anchor better so that teams, when they look on film and they see that uh, defensive ends and edge rushers could take advantage of a bull rush, that he takes that that particular move away completely and is allowed to, you know, better do his job protecting Justin Fields from getting dirty. 
Um, you know, the, the, and that's that's something that across the board, I think, you know, especially with these rookies, but across the board with this offensive line group that needs to get better is guys need to be do a better job, number one, at their craft, number two, at their technique, but staying their ass off the ground. I think I, I, that, was, that was another tweet that I had uh, on Sunday about this defensive pass rush that we're facing. I never, I never seen so many offensive linemen on the ground in my life. It was, it was one of those things that is among the other things that are embarrassing about this team this year. But that's something that desperately needs to be fixed. But I think there's definitely pieces in that room. And Braxton Jones, I think you ride with him at left tackle until he shows you, he proves to you over the course of time and, and years of development. And I don't know how many years that is. Maybe that's two years, three years, whatever the case may be. You run him out to the end of his rookie contract. But I, I think that you you ride with him and see if he can do the job. And, you know, at four years down the road, you still have you're still having a lot of concerns about Braxton Jones. Maybe that's when you go ahead and make the move to something else. Neil, I know you love Braxton Jones. You think he is the future left tackle. What do you think about what he talked about in terms of uh, improving against uh, uh, the bull rush? You said Neil. I think it meant me, right? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> when you say Braxton Jones in love, you, that's me. I think he's 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 a pillar on, on this offensive line. I think you build around him, and you know people are always knocking him. And and I even did a, a bare truth episode on him, and 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 I broke it down. I told you this kid's got the size, the length, the athletic ability, the feet that you want at a left tackle position. Is he strong enough? Is he fully developed? No. We talked about him getting stronger. We talked about him when we when did we do that that bare truth. We, we broke him down. It was middle, middle of the season, correct, Aldo? I told you yeah. back then, he needs to get into the weight room. He needs to you know, get a stronger core, you know, get, get in his lower body stronger as well so he can take on the, those pass rush, his arms. You know, his, his punch is, is uh, you know, his timing has got to get better. So that's all technique. That's all coaching that he's going to work on. And, and once he does that, you talk about a guy that, that you know, you know, a lot of people kind of knock him because, you know, when he when he had bad games, unfortunately, they're they're, you know, like really bad. Right. He'd get bullied back into the backfield or he'd get being really bad and, and the quarterback would take a hit. So but, you know, no one ever talked about him for, for a, a bunch of times because a lot of times he was doing his job. He was he was getting out there. He was blocking. And remember, Ryan Poles, I think, made a great point that a lot of people forget. This kid went from Southern Utah State to the, the senior bowl. Right. And then preparing for the combine goes to the combine, gets drafted, then goes to rookie mini camp, then goes to OTAs, and then goes to a, to a training camp, and then starts every single game, plays every single snap of his rookie campaign in, in NFL season. And he kind of touched on it here as well. You know, he's going to have a chance now to kind of take a breath and get back and work on his craft, you know, work on that that timing on his, on his punch, get stronger, you know, add that, that lower body strength, add that core strength. I'm telling you, this guy is your future left tackle. For those who are keep knocking him, you're just not watching the tape or, or you're just listening to these these airheads that are on these four letter you know networks who don't who are i call out of town stupid don't know what's going on here with, with this team and with, the, with these players on this team so you know this kid braxton jones is your future left tackle whoever's not gonna put the tape on and and watch him play a 17 game season is he gonna get beat yes is he gonna get bull rushed yes is that a weakness of his yes is he still developing yes he's a rookie out of southern utah state who played 17 games didn't miss a snap. That's your left tackle guy. The amount of development over the past year that that kid has put on tape, has shown on the field, yeah. is absurd. Right. You know, it did. did I, I don't know, Danny, about you, but I sure as hell didn't think that looking at the the uh, the practice tape from Senior Bowl a year ago that that kid was going to be a starting left tackle for all uh, 17 games. He stuck out to me, like in terms of his athletic ability, he stuck out to me, and I, I thought oh, he intrigued me. But yeah, coming in and predicting as a fifth round pick to be in and start every every single game. No, I, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't think games. that. 
Yeah, all seventeen amazing. games. It's it's amazing, and the thing is, just the the athletic ability he shows, especially on those toss plays where he gets out in front as a lead blocker. You know, his athletic ability to get downfield, to be able to bury that second or third level defender. You know, a lot of these big runs where you see Justin Fields coming out on on these well, quarterback sweeps, quarterback power runs. You see Braxton Jones on front, leading for him, blocking for him downfield. You know, I know, I know that's not the all end all be all. But that shows some of the athletic ability this kid has that what he could do. And then, again, once he gets stronger, once he gets better as technique, gets coached up better, you're going to see a, a much, much improved play. And I'm, I'm not going here sitting and protecting him to be an all pro, but I, I mean, I'm telling you, he's going to be a solid left tackle at, at the very least. So you know, Ryan used a really good word on, on talk about that kid earlier this week, too. He used mental toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the type of, of ups and downs that he experienced this year borderline getting embarrassed at other times and then having the highest of highs at, at, at some others, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I got to give that, that kid a lot of credit because he has been really, you know, if, if, if he has any sort of mental weakness whatsoever, we have, we have no idea because he certainly hasn't shown it. So we all agree on Braxton Jones, at least the three of us agree. Some people in the chat room may not totally agree, but we agree that he is definitely should be the number one candidate for the starting left tackle position in 2023. So let's talk about the other promising offensive linemen. Some are already calling him one of the best offensive guards in in football, and that's Tevin Jenkins. So let's uh, listen to Tevin self-scout himself, and then we'll talk about his future, immediate future, and maybe long-term future with the Bears. I'm a guy who flashed a lot. You know, I had some great, uh, great plays. And one thing I need to improve on is my uh, consistency on the field. Like I'll have great plays uh, driving somebody my 10 yards or so, and the next play I might only do it for like a yard or like a, not be as uh, great as the play before. I find that kind of funny. I thought he was going to say lose a yard or so, but he says I only drive him for one yard. Um, He's a fascinating story. I mean, this guy uh, was drafted by the previous regime. He comes in. He has injuries in his first season. We learned that he had an injury that was discovered at the combine, which is probably why he fell from round one to round two. Uh, um, he struggles a bit with the new coaching staff. There's rumors that he's going to be traded. There's rumors that he drinks too much beer, all sorts of stuff. He gets moved to the tackle position to the right guard position, and he looks stellar. So I'll begin with you, Neil. What do you think about Tevin Jenkins? Is he a don't worry, we've got our right guard, or wait a minute, he's had too many injuries. We should probably look at some possibilities there too if we get good value. The amount of injuries that that kid has uh, suffered and played with over the course of his you know, first year here is very concerning, especially when we didn't know about the one coming out of college. And there's uh, the other red flags coming out of college as well that I've been talking about on the show ever since you know, we started talking about you know, Tevin Jenkins. Um, but you know, the thing about him is, is that he also seems like a dude that has a, a pretty good amount of mental toughness. If he sticks his mind to you know, becoming a better football player, he has shown that he's been able to come back from stuff. Uh, you know, the thing about him is, is that, you know, as Danny and I had talked about with him, um, we never thought that he was going to be a left tackle. We thought, you know, right tackle at at best, but right, but right guard was probably going to be his bread and butter. We thought that he was going to be a guy that was going to move inside. And just based on his size, based on his footwork, based on his ability to control his space, we thought that he was going to be a guy that would settle in very well at that right guard position. And it seemed like he was, right? It seemed like he was. You know, there, there was a few games in a row there where it seemed like he was getting the job done. And he gets, he gets nicked up here and he gets banged up there and he has the, the head injury issue. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on with him, you know, from a physiological you know standpoint and physical standpoint right now 
that, you know, we just need to be sure before we say, oh, yeah, that's our definite right guard. But I think, you know, if we're going to peg uh, Braxton Jones as uh, the number one uh, bet to be our left tackle, you know, in the future, I'd also probably do the same thing with Tevin Jenkins because I don't see any other options right now. You know, he's a guy that has shown in flashes, like he said himself, he's shown in flashes the ability to get the job done. And he needs to be more consistent. He needs to, you know, use better technique. He's never played right guard in his life. And so these are all things that are coachable too. So we're not we're not talking about things that that you know are are, are unteachable. We're not talking about character issues. We're not talking about you know one two or anything like that. We're talking about things that are teachable. So you know let, let, let's uh, let, let's get him uh, you know coached up this off season. Get him in the weight room. Get him get him healed up. Let's give him a full year of not getting banged up and see what we have coming into August. Danny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for, for me, there, there are two building blocks on his offensive line, and we just talked about both of them right now. Braxton Jones on left tackle and Tevin Jenkins on right guard. Uh, I, th- I think once he got finally moved over to right guard and finally settled into the position, you saw the kid just get better and better. You saw his confidence come back. You saw him play uh, like a guy that wanted to go out there and, and believed he could dominate. And and some of the guys, some of the when you break down his film, some of his 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 second and third level blocks where he's just burying guys, and, and it's, it's stuff you love, and, and that's and the physicality it brings is great. Now, uh, he's got to get obviously get healthy, stay on the field. That's one thing. The other thing is, is his pass blocking sets are very consistent. You know, there's times his timing is, is off with the snap and he, and he allows the interior defender to get in, inside shoulder uh, and get past him. So I, I think I think he needs to get, start to get better in terms of, you know, uh, pass blocking. Uh, and, and then that's where he's going to have to improve. But, you know, he's a guy that, that I think could, could be a building block. Again, health is what you first and foremost, but, you know, work on that technique in terms of being a, a better pa- pass blocker. And you got a, you got a road grader there, a right guard, a guy that can get out and lead and, and, and bury guys in the second level and open up, you know, huge run lanes and, and, and seams for your running back. So, yeah, two building blocks and, and, and both of them we just covered right now, Tevin Jenkins and, and Braxton Jones. All right. So we've looked at the offensive lines building blocks because I don't think any one of you guys is going to advocate for a Alex Leatherwood as a building block. Am I right? I, I don't know. Neil's rolling his eyes. I'm not sure. Okay. Danny's well, saying no, but Neil well, is rolling his eyes. I don't know what's going on. No, I, I'm rolling my eyes because I'm saying hell no. That's, that's why I'm rolling Okay, my good. Eyes. <laughs> to, be, to be fair to the kids, I mean, uh, I, I would give him another training camp before I give up. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. But you I mean, can't I mean, come In terms of him. building blocks, in terms of building blocks, no. Right. But yes, right. I, 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 yeah, I agree because he was a guy that I think both you and I, Danny, if I remember correctly, we did have some positive things to say about him coming out of Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 thought, I would I like to see. Tackle. I thought What's he could that? play right tackle. I thought he could play that right tackle coming out of Alabama. Oh, right, yeah. right, hundred percent. And we we've seen him all over the offensive line so far here with the Bears. Let's, I mean, let, let, let's let's find a position for him. But then also, I, I think uh, I was listening to a little bit of, of uh, Greg Gabriel's show. You know, for, what, when was it? Yesterday, I think it was. I can't keep track of time uh, anymore. Yes, it was a long week. Yeah, really. <laughs> I didn't get yeah. a chance to see all the show, but I was I was uh, kind of catching a little bit of it when he was talking about the offensive line, and he said something that I think he phrased it as deconstructing the kid and rebuilding him from the ground up, which mm-hmm. I think makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because he's had a very unsuccessful you know first couple years in the league so far, and I, I think that he needs to get his confidence back, and maybe well, the only way to do that is just completely rebuild the kid. That's what happened with Tevin Jenkins, guys. Tevin Jenkins had lost his confidence because he was put out of position. He was he was thrown out to to the fan base as a future left tackle when he had no no business playing left left tackle in the NFL, and that that crushed his confidence. And he got hurt, and then he got moved over to the right side. Now he's learning a whole new position, and 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 you know, so they basically build him up. And I think with Leatherwood, I, I think he's got some capabilities. You know, like I said, I, I think he could play right tackle in the NFL. Now the the brief. 
time we've seen him play, you know, he looks, you know, he looks lost. And, and again, another player like we talked about with, with Jenkins looks, you know, like his confidence is shattered. So yeah, you, you go ahead and you, you, you let the kid just kind of, you know, sit back there and learn and, and get better. And, and then, you know, next thing you know, you, you might have a, a starter on your, on your hands at worst case scenario, you could have a very quality backup. Mm. So anyone else on the offensive line that you would throw? I mean, the, the kind of the Larry Borum is, is obviously not a building block. We have right. two. We have two in offensive line, and I don't think anyone is going to disagree in the planet Earth that we have zero on the defensive line. I mean, the right. defensive line and the offensive line are the two biggest focuses, two of the three uh, biggest focuses for the offseason for Ryan Poles, and it's going to gather a lot of our attention here on this mm -hmm. show. Is there anyone in the Bears' defensive line that whose play at least – Clearly not a building block, but you can say, well, at least we've got this guy. Uh, Travis Gibson and Justin Jones are two guys that come to mind. What do you guys think about those guys? Is it uh, is there are they even worthy of having on the roster? Well, are they worthy of having on the roster? Yes, I mean because you always need quality depth. This is the NFL. Guys can go down in in, in one play and they'll be done for the season. So I think Justin Jones, ideally, he's a rotational guy in your in your three in, in your technical um, defensive tackle position. He's not he's not a starter. You know, I, I think he's a guy that you, you know he could be a nice solid backup, emergency starter or whatnot. Travis Gibson, like I, I've said countless times, I came in with, with expectations that this guy was going to take the next step. He's done nothing but disappoint me this year. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, some, someone said earlier, he's on a rookie contract. You know, we've got to keep him around for another year. Sure, you can keep him around for another year and come and have him battle for, for a position. But, but for me, you know, uh, you know, other than keeping those guys as backups or maybe even Armand Watts, maybe a nice rotational guy, uh, you need four new starters on a defensive front, in my opinion. I, I am done watching those guys try and stop the run, try and get pressure on the quarterback. I need four new starters coming into camp next season. Neil, uh, you want to debate uh, Danny on any of that, or uh, not, definitely not agree with him? I mean, yeah, you know, we're on, we're on the same page. Justin Jones is a guy that, uh, you know, I, I give that kid a ton of credit coming into a situation where you trade away anybody that has any sort of leadership in the front seven on defense, and all of a sudden he's thrust into a, can a, a, a captain role, having provided leadership for a team with a bunch of young guys. Um, I'm not sure if that was explained to him or, or if that is even, you know, a thought in his mind. It was even a possibility, you know, coming into Chicago, uh, coming into the season. But uh, I give that kid a lot of credit for the way that he played, the way that he handled himself, the way he was in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's definitely a piece that we can work with, you know, moving forward. You know, outside of that, like like you know, I said, and like Danny said earlier, Armand Watts is a is a solid, you know, depth piece. You know, Muhammad and Gibson, solid depth pieces, but that's all those guys are. You know, Dominique yeah, Robinson, the, the former wide receiver, the former quarterback, the former this, former that, and the other thing. You know, he's got a lot of upside. You know, he he's a big long guy with some athletic ability and and you know, made some plays this year, flashed, you know, here and there at times. Just needs to be developed, and he's one of these guys that we need to see what we have after after an offseason or two. If he can be a guy that we can count on, you know, coming off the edge, I think he's a really interesting piece. Um, but I mean, outside of that, you know, we have we we uh, we signed Gary Green, who's going to be a nice uh, you know special teams piece, you know, next year and the year after, maybe. I can't remember how long we have him a contract for, two years possibly. Um, somebody mentioned Donovan Jeter earlier that 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 we re, uh, you know signed to a. Uh, a futures contract uh, either today or yesterday, but uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, bodies in the room, but not a lot of bodies that you can count on to get pressure, to stop the run and do all those things that we need to do to be successful. 
Yeah, you and I can be in there, be in there, be bodies, but we're not gonna be very good at there either. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you need talented bodies in there, guys. In the the court. Uh, Muhammad is is one of the more disappointing free agent signings. You know, I thought you know coming in from from the Colts, Iberflus. You know, he's a guy that that could you know possibly give us something in terms of a situational pass rush. You know, he ended up starting, which was something that kind of surprised me initially. But he was, I mean, talk about being ineffective. I don't think he did. He even have a sack, a half a sack this, this season. I, I didn't. I see don't think. Player. I think he had a half a sack. That was. <laughs> it must have been some some quarterback must have tripped in front of him. He just kind of tagged him down. So no, it, he I did mean, because he he came off the edge and it was, it was a busted play. And you know, I, I made a comment about how you know he took that you know eight foot long arm of his and and you know threw the quarterback down on the ground. I yeah, can't remember I what game good. that was, but I, I have that that play burned in my mind as the one thing that stands out about that kid all year. But I mean, he plays hard, and you know he's raw as hell. We we he's a UDFA, right? He's mm-hmm. raw as hell. He needs to be coached up. He's played thirteen positions. You know, we don't know what we have with him yet. I yeah. saw someone post in the chat. Terrell Lewis is that is that the kid from Alabama? Did, did we get him off of the? Did we sign him from the? From the he's a waiver guy. Yeah. Did we pick him up? You know, so that's a kid out of Alabama that had some some promise. So interesting to see if 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 you know if is he on the roster? Because with all the holiday stuff, I, I might yeah. have missed that. Is he on the I want to see what he does next season in this. In this, I mean, I, yeah, I wish, I wish he would. He's not included in the uh, in a salary cap breakdown, but he is still listed on the active roster. Okay, that's a kid that intrigues me in terms of what he can bring potentially, possibly as, as a situational pass rusher. Definitely not a guy I'd, I'd start. I'm not saying he's a starter, but definitely a guy you can bring in with some, you know, some some depth, another quality body, as as uh, as Neil put it earlier. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So. We agree that the line of scrimmage is where Ryan Poles has his biggest challenges this yep. year season. So talk to me about the depth in this NFL draft for defensive linemen. Uh, we all know that the two top non-quarterback picks in this draft are probably going to be Will Anderson Jr. and Jalen Carter. Uh, but beyond them, if the Bears decide to trade their first overall draft pick, and we'll talk draft strategy uh, to close the show, beyond that, are, if they were to bypass those top two uh, players, what's the rest of the draft look like for defensive linemen? Danny, I'll start with you. Well, for me, I don't know if Neil agrees, but for me, defensive tackle right now, so far all my film study, defensive tackle looks looks pretty pretty bleak once you get past the first two, three guys. So for me right now, and, and again, I haven't done my, my final grades, but right now, obviously, the, the top guy is, is Jalen Carter. Uh, Thule, and I got to learn his name, but Thule Tuopalutu, I believe, from USC. Is that the way? Am I saying it correctly there, Neil? He's a guy so. that, that, that they move all around the defensive line. They, they, they put him at end. Uh, but I see him as, as a nice, quick twitch, three technique inside. So, uh, you know, guys got to get stronger at, at the point of contact, but definitely a kid that gives you that quick twitch ability to to penetrate, you know, the gap and get up field and, and create havoc in the, in the backfield. So that kid from USC is, is my next guy. Um, I cut a guy I had a little bit of an eye on, like maybe third, fourth round, Fabian Love it, but he's going back to F, uh, Florida State, unfortunately. So, so yeah, other than that, now, now you're looking at guys like, Guys, you can project guys that can that are either big body guys that can help you stop the run, but are very limited in terms of what they bring in terms of pass rush, right? So, so guys in that kind of category where where I see them kind of being nice run pluggers, but very limited in terms of pass rush is uh, Siaki Ika from from Baylor, big 350 pound, you know, nose guard looks like. So I'm not sure how how ideal fit he is for the system. Uh, Brian Brisey from from Clemson is a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries off the field. I see him as, as a five technique, ideally at the next level, and in, in a three-four, not not a guy here in, in this system as well. 
Um, you know, um, Kenu Benton from Wisconsin is another guy that a guy that no one even hears about, but he's a tough SOB in the middle of that defensive line, a guy that can that can plug up the the, the lanes, maybe play a one technique for you and be a good good uh, you know a run stuffer, but not a guy again, not a guy that I'm going to see there out there every Sunday generating you know consistent pass rush. So so if you're looking for a Gervon Dexter from Florida, another big body kid, guy that can that can plug up you know plug up the middle. And, and give you a good run defense. Uh, just again, he's just getting started in terms of what he could possibly do. So you know, these are guys that again are are, are not really the big interior pass rushers. The, you know, the, the guys that are, that are going to be the pass rushers. That you know, the kick-ass guys that can generate pressure consistently. I think are going to be Jalen Carter and and uh, the kid from USC. So the defensive tackle for me is a little grim once you get past the first couple of guys. Defensive end though. I mean, there's a lot more depth there. And again, I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of doing all the preliminary work here. There's a lot more guys I got to I gotta look at. But, you know, um, I don't Neil, do you want to attack defense attack before I move over to end? Or should I just go through go through with my ends here? I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm just, just looking at this from 30,000 feet because I'm nowhere near as deep as you are into uh, some of these player evaluations yet. But, yeah, defensive tackle seems to be very thin, few and far between guys that can come in and make an impact immediately, which is why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we have to 1,000% go ahead and, and go with uh, an impact defensive lineman, whether that be an edge guy uh, and, and, and then an in, interior guy, whatever the case that may be uh, with, with that first pick. But, you know, going from defensive tackle over to, you know, defensive end, there's definitely a, a you know, a, a lot more depth at that particular position, almost by, by you know, three times as much more depth that could probably come in and, and either be a difference maker right away or play right away in, in, in a certain form or fashion. Um, looking at all the names of guys that I've seen live this year, just watching all the games that I watch, and also guys I have seen a little bit of tape so far, uh, you, can, you can go almost like 15 to 20 deep, you know, before you get into the fifth round in terms of, you know, guys that could rush a passer or, or play the run on the edge or whatever the case may be. So, um, I think, Dan, you've been a little bit more further in depth in terms of valuations and with uh, you know, defensive linemen. What do you think on the defensive end standpoint of things so far? Yeah, defensive end, again, I, I agree. I think there's there's more depth there. I mean, my, my top guy, obviously, it comes out is, is, is Will Anderson, but I'm, I'm always I'm still struggling in terms of his ideal fit in this in this system. You know, I, I think he's I think he's really light in, in the pants. I think he's like probably like 230, 235. I've heard that he's played last year at 251. So we'll see how he comes in at, at the combine there. But, you know, but he's definitely, I, I think, a guy that, you know, has got the production on the football field. You see you see the 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 quick step off the line of scrimmage. You see the strong hands. You see his ability to convert speed to power, get his hands, extend his arms. He's got long arms, extend him in, into the chest of an of a offensive lineman and walk him back into the backfield. You see him. He's got that ability to go and bend that corner with that with the body control and get after the quarterback. Highly productive player in, in an SEC conference that obviously is, is the, one of the better conferences in, in college football. So Will Anderson's going to take the, the, the top you know bill there in terms of defensive player. But again, for me, I'm still going through and, and struggling in terms of trying to find a fit here because I feel like if you draft Will Anderson, you got to have a good plan to how to utilize this kid. You know, so we'll, we'll see how it goes there. But the next guy and, and a guy that I'm I'm in love with right now, and I, again, I've just done my preliminary work on this kid. And I even dug deep into him. Is is Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech? Talk about a six-five-six-six guy, long arms, you know, uh, arms like like tree trunks or you know tree branches, whatever you want to call them. I mean, the guy can can get after the quarterback, athletic enough where you know at Texas Tech they had him you know in a two-point stance, dropping back into coverage. You know, he's not as smooth; his hips aren't as flexible as as a Will Anderson, for example. But definitely a guy that gives you that some of that versatility. But again, I see him as as a four-three defensive end. I think he's an ideal fit in this system. And I've made this comparison before, and and I'm not trying to say he's going to be the same kind of player. But in terms of when he hits players, 
what do you mean? He tackles through the quarterback. He tackles through the ball carrier. You know, like Nick Bosa. That, that's how that's how he tackles. He he hurts guys. When he hits you, you feel it as an opponent. So I just absolutely love this kid. The the main concern with him right now is that that broken bone in his foot. You know, tall guys with with, with broken bones in their feet kind of you know scare me. So his medicals at the combine are going to be key to see where he goes. So he's a guy that name, and we'll get into him more and more. So and you know later on in in more shows, but. If the Bears do trade down from number one in that five, six range, that's a guy you'd key on there, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. The other guy, the guy I, I had, a, I was really interested in was, was Jared Verse from FSU. He ended up going back as well to college. Um, you know, some of the other guys that, that kind of intrigued me, I'm going through a list here. You know, Felix uh, Uzuma from Kansas State, an under, undersized you know, a uh, guy from off the edge, again, might be m- more just a situational pass rusher, but definitely a guy that brings some energy, brings the ability of that first step quickness to get into the to the backfield. And and a guy that and, uh, intrigues me as well is Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. He's a redshirt sophomore. I thought he was going to go back, but he ended up coming out. He declared for the draft. He's a guy that, that's got the length, he's got the size you want. Uh, you know, he's, he's pretty, you know, he's still, he's got, he's still some, some work to do on his body. He's, he can fill out a little bit more. But definitely a guy that's versatile. He can, you can you can play him at defensive end. You can line him up in, inside at defensive tackle. If you go to a in a in a, in a pass rushing situation, you can go with that that NASCAR package. He can definitely give you that kind of versatility. So Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is a guy to keep an eye on. And some guy I, I just did a tape on right now is is uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State. Will McDonald from Iowa State, uh, fifth year senior for a guy that's highly productive. You know, led the uh, led the Big Twelve in, in sacks two years in a row and ended up staying for a fifth year in in. Um, he retired his first year, so ended up staying, you know, uh, in, in college through a senior. That tells me, you know, if he if he went to the advisory board, something didn't check, right? Whether it's his measurables or something like that. So I'm I'm interested to see how he measures at the next level. He off the hoof, he's a outside linebacker, three four pass rushing demon. Guys, that guy forced ten fumbles through his career, and a lot of times you see him bending that corner with that type of. Uh, body control, like that Robert Quinn type of body control, be able to come around the corner and knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands. A, a lot of those ten force fumbles were probably from from that you know action there as well. But you know, is he an ideal fit in terms of as a hand in the ground defensive end? He did that at Iowa State. I don't know if he can do that at the next level, but definitely he's two. He's, he's probably two forty five, two fifty. You add another five ten pounds of muscle, you look look two fifty five, two sixty. You know, he could, you know, at the very least, be a, a pass rushing specialist, a guy who can develop into a nice defensive end. So, you know, there are some some depth there that you can go third, third, fourth round and, and get, bring in some guys that, at the very least, can be a situational pass rusher, or you know, and, and then uh, other guys that can obviously be starters for you. Neil, um, yeah, if we can get your evaluation on any defensive ends that you want to share with us quickly, because I still want to talk free agency and I want to talk draft strategy. And I promised you guys that we will keep our show that to 60 minutes. So, uh, yeah, really. So, uh, Neil, uh, any thoughts on DEs or should we move on? Yeah, well, I think the, the one thing that you're going to be able to get in this class is a guy that has a ton of length. You know, all, all these guys that Danny just mentioned are guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". 250 plus, the exception of you know one or two. I mean, you know, Will Anderson's probably floating between 230 and 240 right now. But you're talking about guys that have a ton of length. They have you know really good size. They have re- very good quickness off the edge. Able to create separation. And you know guys that generally did a good job of you know you know uh, wreaking havoc in the backfield. You know d- disrupting you know the, the offensive process. Um, you know the, the Will Anderson kid just on account of you know, athletic traits is going to be the first guy taken because you can't not take 6'4", 230, 240, and obscenely athletic, right? 
So if, if that's the guy we end up going with, great. I'm not going to, you know, bad an eye at it. You just hope that you can get enough weight on him and he fits within the, the defensive scheme. Um, but on the backside of that, I'm thinking to myself, since that defensive tackle class isn't all that great, maybe you go with the Carter kid out of Georgia. You know, there, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if Danny mentioned the Miles Murphy kid, which is somebody that, you know, I've watched a couple times this year and, Murphy, and yeah. was, was interesting. Um, Isaiah Foskey, the Notre Dame kid, set the, all, the sack record. The all bus team, though. I mean, Miles Murphy, he comes off the bus. That's that's what you want your NFL defensive end to look like. But there's a lot of times I, yeah. I he's, he's more like linear. He's, he's like a straight line guy. You know, the, the bend in him is not like the Will Andersons, the the Tyree Wilsons, you know, some of the other guys that I talked about, the Mc, like McDonald's and some like that guys. But he definitely he can definitely play for me at least a, a left you know a left defensive end, base defensive end. And be right. a guy you could win with, but he's not going to be, in my opinion. And again, I, you know, it's all the preliminary, all that stuff. But he's not a guy that's going to be for me the bell cow pass rusher on a defensive line. Miles Murphy. Oh, sure. I, I see him as a very versatile player, though. You know, just given his size and his length, he he's a guy that can do that can you know provide an answer to a few different types of roles across the defense. Um, you know, he's not the the electric pass rusher, rusher off the edge, but maybe he's a guy that sets the edge, plays the run. You know, provides a physical force on, on the opposite side. Um, he's an interesting player. I haven't watched nearly enough on him. I just watched him a couple of times in passing this year when, when Clemson was playing somebody else I've been watching and he stood out a couple of times, but, uh, you know, again, you know, you talk about Tyree Wilson. I think that kid is super interesting. Um, I haven't done nearly as much tape study on a lot of these guys. So I'm just going off of stuff that I've really kind of seen live this year. The things, you know, guys that have stuck out to me, things that have, you know, uh, you know, stuck out to me in terms of traits and, you know, uh, you know, effort, you know, play with your know, motor, um, you know, plays made on the field, um, you know, showing up a bit moments, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, looking forward to get, you know, deeper into this class. And uh, I'm sure a lot, all to, you know, most of these guys are going to be invited to these all-star games, which is what we're going to talk about, you know, in the weeks coming ahead. All right. Excellent. Now let's pay attention to the free agency class, because now we've got kind of a sense, uh, an early sense here of where the depth is uh, or not at the defensive line in the college drafts. So in terms of free agency, of, of course, the prized player is uh, Deron Payne from the Washington Commanders. Uh, so how much of an emphasis should Ryan Poles put into his efforts to try to acquire Payne if indeed Payne becomes a free agent? Uh, Neil, I'll start with you on this one. I, I would love going after that kid. Uh, just because I remember watching that kid in high school for three years, watching him at Alabama for as long as I was there playing Alabama, that 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 kid is nothing but massive, and I mean, he's a dancing bear. You know, he's 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 massive and absurdly athletic, and uh, he's a guy that that could be a difference maker. Just if you look at the, the kind of trace that he brings to the table, ultimately, I feel like you know, with the offensive and defensive line positions, those were the two you know positions that we talked about. You know, the trenches are scary right now on this team. And you need to do whatever you can to, to strengthen that, to solidify that, to get us in position to be able to win next year. Um, you got you got to tackle both of these position groups with both the draft and free agency, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that means going after the top free agents available and also trying to uh, sort of you know, scheme your way into having multiple you know, early draft picks to be able to pick up multiple um, you know, players at these position groups. Um, so, Jerron Payne, let's go ahead. Let's, let's, let's ring the bell and see what we can possibly, you know, you know, uh, you know, land ourselves with, but, uh, yeah, you know, 100%, we have to, you know, tackle free agency with uh, defensive line, offensive line, but also figure that into draft picks as well. 
And and uh, while I'm doing this, you, you might want to just get some more coffee because we're going to go over an hour for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then maybe maybe if you can quickly that type away, bring up bring up the defensive end, the Frisian defensive ends if you can. But Deron Payne obviously is is a guy that, that everyone wants, but I have a feeling that Washington's going to going to franchise him and, and they're, they're going to keep him. But but even so, with with Deron Payne, if he becomes available and the Bears do get him, so something to keep in mind, guys. And and I. If, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first year he's ever had double-digit sacks. And I think just look at the defensive line he plays with, or teammates. He's got Sweat on the outside. He's got uh, uh, J- uh, Jonathan Allen on the inside next to him. And then also he's got, uh, well, when he's Chase healthy, is Chase Young. So so he's got a very talented defensive front next to him. Coming here to the Bears, he's potentially going to be the man here. So, you know, so let's temper some of the some of the expectations with, with Deron Payne. Definitely would be a starter. Definitely would be my, my top target. But if they don't get him... It's not end all be all, right? There are other players right. to go look for. Next on my list, Draymond Jones from um, from the the Broncos. He's a guy that played at Ohio State. He's a quietly developed. I think he's about five and a half, six sacks. So his numbers won't pop out at you. But he's a guy that can, that's athletic that can, that can play. And, you know what did Ibrahim say? He wants long, lean, athletic players tough as well. And I think Draymond Jones is the next guy in line. Again, he's a guy that that's second behind the Ron Payne for me. I, I think Ryan uh, Poles is not going to go out there and, and pay money for a 34, 33 year old defensive lineman. He wants guys that are hitting their peak. So Payne, tw- I think 26 years old, Jones, I think he's 26 years old. Those are the kind of guys he's going to go after. Right. Next up is, is Javon Hargrave from, from Philadelphia. Uh, he's a guy, he's 30 years old. So he might be a guy that they might kind of take, you know, pump the brakes on. But again, Another guy that that's physical up front. He's got the the ability to get back into into the backfield and, and make make some something happen there as well. But say he's he's up up in the tooth there, and say you want to go for a cheaper option, a guy that that's always wreaks havoc, but is always unfortunately injured is Sheldon Rankins, and he's currently on the on the Jets. So these are the four guys that I'm looking at, and with Rankins, he he plays an ideal inside three technique. So if you get like a, a combination of Payne and Rankins or Jones and Rankins, you know, it's it, and then you kind of offset that with some of the depth we talked about with, with a Justin Jones curly on the roster, Armand Watts. I think that's an upgrade. You know, it's, it's not the, the, the perfect solution, but then again, you are always going to be able to add to that position, whether it's in, in training camp, whether it's trades down, down the line, whether it's the following season, but you are going to upgrade that position. So those are my four interior defensive linemen that I'm looking at right now. And then, and in terms of defensive end, uh, 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 Neil, I agree with you. The, the Bears have to attack the defensive line, both in, dra- in the draft and in free agency, right? And he touched on Jalen Carter. And, and Jalen Carter is, is a guy, I was going back and forth today with, with Berlissimo on Twitter. You know, he's a guy that, that I put on his tape and I'm expecting so much because I've heard so much about him. But, you know, th- that motor runs cold, man. And, and, but when it's hot, it, it, it's, it's impressively hot, right? And, and I talked, I, you know, if, if you ever – doubt that you know if you guys watch the, the the college football semifinals or you watch the the championship game it's like Jalen Carter doesn't do much you know what's his big hype about him yeah you know he didn't have his best effort on those those two games but you put on the LSU game put on the game with, with the uh the conference championship game he was dominant I mean he was just absolutely dominant you know swim move into the backfield to to, to drop the running back for a tackle for a loss be able to get back into that to the uh into the uh, backfield as a pass rusher and just bully offensive lineman into, into the quarterback. I mean, just the, the brute strength, the power he has at the line of scrimmage. And he's only what, 24, 23 years old, I think it is. So, I mean, this, this is a guy that, that has the potential to be that racket, that, 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 you know, havoc wreaker in in the middle of that defensive line. And, but the thing that scares me is 
you know, it's, it's like you see a lot of this on tape. And another thing is, to his defense, I don't like the way Georgia used him, right? You know, there's times I see him too, uh, you know, too gapping. There's times I see him running this this, this uh, defense, you know, tight end loop where he's like running around like in a big loop trying to get back. And he's like totally just getting out, taking out of the picture. So, you know, that's, again, that's what they had him do there. And I just didn't like the way they use him. But if you let him loose and let him go back and, and penetrate and get into the backfield and utilize some of that, that, that you know, point of attack power and strength, Obviously, coach him up. Obviously, develop him. Obviously, stay on him. Uh, I think he's a guy that, that can give you that. But with the first pick in a draft, if you stay at number one, is that a gamble you want to take if you're Ryan Poles? It scares me. So you know, but but there are. So you're gonna have to attack from both the draft and and free agency. What I was, what I was trying to say, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Like defensive tackle, if you don't get it in the draft with either one of these two guys we talked about initially, you probably have to attack it heavily in free agency. All right. Um... Let us talk then about draft strategy, because if the Bears are going to sign a defensive lineman and it's a tier one defensive lineman, like many people think Payne is and some of the other guys, Marcus Davenport Davenport is going to demand uh, tier one type money because uh, the salary cap goes up, and so salaries go up. And we saw by Roquan Smith signed the highest contract ever for a line a linebacker. It's quite possible that uh, some of these free agents, if not in 2023, certainly in 2024 and beyond, are going to sign some incredible contracts. So my question to you guys is, and, and Danny touched on this a bit, but how much do, do you want to, at this point of the rebuild, do you want to invest that kind of money, $25 million a year contracts to a player, or do you still want to continue to build the base of the team given how bare the cupboard is right now? Does that make sense? And if so hopefully uh, Neil can bail me out there. Yeah. You know, with all this, this uh, free agent capital that we have, um, you you want to get the, the the type of pieces that fit within what you want to do on the field and what you want to have in the locker room in terms of you know character and in in, in in terms of uh, of uh, um, um, uh, damn what's the word um, I mean just from from a character standpoint you want to have the right type of people in the locker room right and so I, I think when you put those two things together it has to fit the scheme it has to fit the locker room. I have no problem with spending as much money as we have to spend in, in terms of, you know, free agency to be able to do that. I also am going to be a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be all that happy about spending a massive amount of money on one player in free agency as well. I know we have all this, all this capital and everything, but I think, you know, the, the thing that Paul said in, in his press conference is that he wants to be disciplined and he wants to, uh, you know, stay well within, you know, the, the program that they're trying to build here in Chicago. And uh, you know, as as long as they're doing that, I'm going to be fine with whatever whatever decision that they plan on making. Um, you talked about that, you know, incessantly during the press conference about you know staying disciplined, staying within the plan, not overreaching, not overstepping, not playing, you know, not not uh, making moves with emotions, but you know, being smart about what we're doing, staying about well within the, the realm of where we're trying to be as a team. But again, uh, we have to get the right pieces in place as well. So there, there's a fine line you need to walk there. Um, as I said before, we got to hit both of these positions, position groups, in in uh, in uh, you know the draft and free agency, and um, see what you can make uh, you know work with uh, the the ability of, of uh, spending resources that you have. 
Um, let's just not, you know, get crazy. I know a lot of people want us to, a lot, a lot of fans, a lot of, of uh, talking heads on TV, want us to just go ahead and spend an absolute F ton of money since we have it. But let's just, just, just because we have it, just because we have, you know, a million dollars doesn't mean we need a million dollar car, right? So let's just be mm-hmm. smart about all this. Let's do the right things. And, and, and listening to Ryan Poles, I, I think he's going to be smart about it. You know, I, I don't think he's going to go out there wheeling and dealing like the Jacksonville Jaguars did last, last, you know, later. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they made the playoffs, but you know, they spent a lot of money on, on players that I didn't know if they were worth that much money. Anyway, I, I think Ryan Poles is going to be measured. I think he's going to have his target. And I think, again, I think there could be guys in their, in their mid to you know early 20s that he's going to target and he's going to you know kind of bring in as, as part of this foundation of, of this football team. I get Payne and Draymond Jones. Some of these players are, are, are falling in that category. But I think he's also going to know that there's a limit, right? And, and he can't go bunk crazy on, on a, a particular position but he's because he's got – a ton of holes. We haven't even gotten to receiver. We haven't even gotten to, you know, a, a, a center. What are you going to do at center? What are you going to do at, uh, at at right tackle? You know, these are all positions you're going to have to fill. That may not be a free agency, you know, but there are going to be, you know, positions they need to fill. You know, you know, one position that when they asked Ryan, Ryan Poles, what are some of your blue chip positions? He named defensive, uh, defensive end or defensive, I think defensive tackle, defensive, defensive line, defensive line, line corner. Corner. Just general positions, right? And no one talks about corner because we both agree that I think they have their young corners in, in Gordon and, and Jalen Johnson. But I think they're going to go out and they're going to get themselves a, a, a nickel corner because, you know, with this defense, you saw many times that they're, they're majority of the time they're playing five DBs back there. So I think they're going to go out there and they're going to get themselves either a nickel corner, a veteran like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Philadelphia or, or another veteran maybe, you know, so, you know, there's going to be money spent around, right? We talked about linebacker. We haven't talked about, you know, we all assume Sam Bourne is, is the middle linebacker. Uh, you know, we talked about Nick Morrow being a, a cheap, you know, okay starter, you know, but, you know, what if they go make a, a, a splash there? So, you know, there's other areas. Plus, he wants to sound like he wants to resign Cole Komet. I think he wants to resign Jalen Johnson. You know, Darnell Mooney's a guy he wants to resign. Maybe he resigns David Montgomery. So all this money is not going to just be, you know, Ryan Poles is not going to start, you know, opening up the cash register on March 16th whenever free agency opens up and just buy everybody. You know, so I think he's going to be measured. I think he's going to go after a certain position. Right. And whatever he doesn't get this year, he's going to try and, and fulfill it in the draft. And whatever then is still a need. Obviously, there, there's there's a, that second or third wave of, of veteran free agent you can bring in, like the Riley Reefs, guys like that, that can, you know, one-year contracts. Guys that maybe can fill in for a season or two and then, I go back shopping again the following offseason. So, you know, he, I think it's going to be measured. I, I think that that's the thing. Um, you know, just the hope I have, and again, I'm 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 going in it with with both eyes open and both eyes squarely on, on Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and see what they do there. I, I want to see who do you, who do you bring in, who they attract, and who they go after. Um, and I, but I, but I think you know, I think in terms of being measured, I think he will be measured. So, I think that's, that's how I was going to build a team with with young veterans and then also uh, obviously with the draft. There that was go. the term foundation you used. That was the one that he used several times yeah. during his press conference the other day. Talked about the foundation moving forward, building on top of the foundation through evaluation of the franchise, you know, attacking the weaknesses. Um, you, know, you talked about the 2023 expectations, getting better, bringing in good players, finishing the tight games. And the way you do that is bringing in more play, play more playmakers. You know, the next step is to have a stair step to your know, type of process. And he wants to make sure that they're making long lasting decisions not just stuff for the moment, not just stuff because it sounds good on paper, not because it's going to make the fans happy, but stuff that's going to allow this this program, this, this franchise, to actually have a measure of longevity about it. And we haven't had that. And the, the I, thing, I love the fact that he mentioned that. The, the one thing I, but, I just want to temper I want to temper everyone's enthusiasm. I, I know it's great to have the first pick. I know it's great to have all this cap space. But you know what? You know, guys might not be available. Deron Payne might not hit the market. 
You know, there, there are certain players that, that we've earmarked, you know, that Bears going after and, and signing because they have all this cap. They might not be available. So you kind of have mm-hmm. to temper the market and, and understand that there's multiple ways of attacking and building a, a team, right? We, everybody talks about, oh, we're going to trade. I've seen on Twitter, we're going to tra- uh, the Colts. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll trade this with the Colts. Who says no? Well, you know what, guys, th- those type of trades that you guys are putting out there, you know, those are generally for franchise quarterbacks. Right now, I don't know. You haven't started looking at them. I, I mean, I don't see a, a true franchise no, no, quarterback no. out of this you know, that's class. Will Levis right now is my top-rated quarterback, followed by um, closely by by uh, um, uh, Anthony Richardson from from uh, from Florida. And neither one of them, I think, is day one starter next year. I think Anthony Richardson has has the the tools that's going to make offensive linemen and offensive coordinators and, and head coaches that are offensive uh, offensive minded drool over his, his skill set. But he's way, way far from starting. I mean, his his mechanics are, are, are all over the place, you know, and, and his accuracy downfield is, is and his decision making is, is spotty at best. So but the 6'4", 230, you know, cannon for an arm, lightning quick release, the ability to be a dual threat quarterback. I think he's going to fall in. Someone's going to fall in love with him. He's going to be pushed up. So what I'm trying to say is, is the key is having one of these teams that, you know, because it takes two to tango, right? So having one of these teams fall in love with one of these quarterbacks and give up that haul and they say, all right, you know, this is the guy we want. Yeah, everyone's, everyone keeps playing that that clip of uh, Ballard saying, yeah, I'll give up anything to get my quarterback. He didn't say that Ooh, quarterback's in this earth. draft. Yeah, he, he didn't say the quarterback's in this draft, right? He didn't say that. So, you know, to assume that someone's going to want to give heaven and earth to go get a, you know, a, a 5'11", 190-pound, dripping wet, average arm strength quarterback Bryce Young – like, like Mike Tannenbaum th- seemed to think it, on, on ESPN. I, I have no idea, who, you know, but, you know, but, but, but pray, I pray that one of those, you know, teams that are desperate will fall in love with the Bryce Young, will fall in love with the Will Levis, or will fall in love with mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson or whoever it is, and then just, and then give Ryan, Ryan Poles that haul or, or that the, the, the multiple draft picks uh, to move on. My, my thing is whatever trade he makes, and not my hope is he makes a trade back, is I want him to get a first round pick in next year's draft. I that's something that I'm going to hold out for if I'm Ryan Poles. Is you can give me a second this year, you can give me another player, you can give me, but I need a first round pick in next year's draft as well. Absolutely love Good that. Stuff, I had a story look in my eye because uh, the dog jumped off the couch and surely was about to raise hell, but it didn't. <laughs> thankfully, but uh, no, I, I completely agree with you. I I, I think that uh, you know there are all kinds of uh, you know situations that we can run into trying to figure out who is our dance partner for these trades that we could potentially execute. And I mean, when, when you're talking about, when you're talking about strategy, like I said, to open the show, we have all the leverage. We basically run the draft right now and it's an amazing place to be, right? We can go ahead and hold out and, you know, stick with number one pick and pick exactly who we want, who we fell in love with in terms of Ryan Poles and his staff, or we can talk with any one of these top, you know, five, 10 teams, right? Um, you know, the, the moves that we could, you know, essentially work with, uh, get with multiple teams and top five to 10, you know, trade down several times or one time. I mean, you can end up with anywhere between one and, and, uh, I mean, could end up with anywhere between two to, to four more picks, um, in, in round two, if you, if you play it right, if you go ahead and incrementally trade back and just accumulate draft cap on top of itself. And in that way, you can end up with, with multiple picks in, in the top 50, multiple picks in the top 100 and just, you know, just build talent as you go throughout this draft that that's one of the scenarios or like i said you can just stay put where you are take the guy that you fall in love with or scenario number three make that one best pick you could possibly come up with make the the the, the, the team that's going to go ahead and effectively move he- you know heaven and earth you know for you 
don't drop too far back. So you can still get your guy, but still get a bunch of capital in return. I think there's, there's so many ways that Ryan Poles can play this. It's really exciting. I don't think we should get, you know, too all up in our emotions about it because ultimately we're going to make the decision that's best for this franchise. And he is not going to do anything that, that strays outside of the consistency and, and the foundation that he has built with on the field and in the locker room for the Chicago Bears. But the one thing we have to be prepared, guys, is is if the trade doesn't come and he, he doesn't get value, right. what he feels is value for the – we have to be prepared that he could use that pick to make to pick a player. So we can't be disappointed and say, oh, this – he, you know, whoever it is, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, whoever it is, you know, or, or you know, Tyree Wilson. Oh, this, this this guy doesn't sound worth the first overall pick. Well, you know what? If no one's giving you what you value as as what's worth that for that first overall pick, you're going to have to go and make the best selection for your team. And so be prepared for that. Obviously, with all three of us and a, a lot of – the, the fans are, are wanting them to kind of trade back and, and, and get that haul. So, you know, but just be prepared that if it doesn't happen, you know, he will have to make a pick. All right. I, again, get- I don't think it's necessarily making a haul though, either. You know, if, if you, if you look at, you know, some of these teams that have early picks in the second round, so you're, you're effectively you know, trading back to get additional, you know, first round picks, right. You know, you, you trade back, you, you trade, you know, ones, then you also go ahead and get a second round pick with it. You know, you, you look at teams, I'm pulling this draft order right now for, you know, second round picks. There are a handful of teams that have first round picks in the top eight that also have second round picks in the top, uh, you, know, you know, three, four, five. You're looking at the Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, uh, Raiders, Panthers, you know, all have picks within the, you know, in the, if you're talking about the second round picks, fall, you know, within the first eight picks of a second right. round. If you're able to orchestrate something like that to where you, you you flop your first rounders, go ahead and pick up another second round pick. So you essentially have your one first rounder. You go and have an early, uh, you know, second rounder. You have your normal third, a uh, second rounder, which is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 56, I think. And you also have the second pick of the third round. That's a hell of a deal, guys. Right, but you but you have to have someone that's one because typically those kind of trades they they it's yeah, for a quarterback. Yeah, it's a for, you know, right. so one, that's what I'm saying. One of these guys, one of these teams has to fall in love with these quarterbacks. And the, the and the one thing that really hurts right now is that that first pick in the second round for Claypool, that, that is a pick. You, you you understand that is a a leverage pick. I mean, you know you know teams once that first round ends, teams start calling and and asking what you want for that first pick in the second round because everyone goes back home or overnight they they, mm-hmm. they redo their board that they, they kind of go over the first round and see who's available and that's where you can get quality quality picks you know for that that year later on in the draft or even next year. So that trade of of that that pick really really stings now. Very good. Uh, let's get to a few questions that uh, our friends in the chat room have offered. Uh, Hugh Heavens asks, is Will Levis going to be this year's Zach Wilson? So I'm not quite sure what Hugh means by that. Does he mean that Zach is uh, is Will going to jump up the draft boards like Zach Wilson uh, did? It was Zach was chosen number three overall in the NFL Two. draft? Two. Two? Okay, and so, uh, or is he going to be somebody who disappoints as Zach Wilson has? But either way, anyone want to comment on this question from you? So Zach Wilson was your your, your boy, Neil. Do you want to go and comment? On yeah, what was my boy? I didn't realize his head was so far up in the clouds as it was, where he was you know more worried about uh, you know banging moms than he was about you know playing football and, and all those different allegedly, types of allegedly, allegedly, Alleg- <laughs> oh hell, it wasn't allegedly. It was it was confirmed. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for him though. Yeah, I mean, he's the kids clearly got some game. I don't know, good, good for him. But you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that you know have come out well after the draft that you don't like the the whole the 
<laughs> and they'll cancel for one exact loss. Hey, I can admit when I'm wrong, though. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sitting in these meetings. You know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sitting in these meetings. Yeah, there is Neil's now canceled for one exact Wilson. I'm not sitting in these uh, these interviews. You know, grilling these kids about their about their background, about their their uh, their personal history, about what's important to them, putting them on the board and things like that. I mean, the kid has a skill set. Just a matter of he doesn't have the wherewithal up here, at least right now, to be able to put that skill set in a, in a functional fashion on the field. Which is, I mean, it, it's really disappointing. Because he he showed a, a lot of things during the pre-draft process and during the season that you know led you to believe that he he could probably be a, a really interesting player in the NFL, but he clearly doesn't have it upstairs. And that, that's the thing with, with you know both of us, like we always don't get a chance to you know, dive inside the mind of all these kids that we're talking about. We're we're effectively specifically talking about what they bring to the table on the field as athletes, physically and athletically, right? And so that that that's that's why the pre-draft prospect uh, process in terms of the interviews. And in terms of, of the sit downs, the 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 the, uh, the top forty uh, fly-ins, and you know, going on campus and working guys out, all these different types of things are so goddamn important because you need to have an idea of what's going on upstairs with these kids before you bring them into your into your franchise. And maybe he just pulled a really good cloak over everything that was going on with him during the pre-draft process to be able to shield away all those concerns that could have possibly popped up. Had everybody known what was going on, you know, he had another uh, incident with you know him and and his wide receiver. Uh, you know, a same girlfriend, different dude, like type of thing, you know, going on, but the mom thing that, you know, he's, he seemed to be lost in, in the lights of, of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the NFL process itself. So, um, you know, th- those are all things that are red flags. Like had, had I heard about those you know, you know, on the front end, I wouldn't have been as, um, you know, on board with, with the kid, but, you know, see, here's the thing again, he just needs to be straightened out. I think he's still a young kid. I think he's still unsure. He's still naive. He still has a ton of talent. And uh, if, if there's a team out there, and there will be a team out there that will go ahead and try to fix the kid, so to speak, right? Air quotes, fix the kid. There will be somebody out there that will. And, you know, he's, he's going to be given a second chance if it doesn't, you know, end up, you know, being in, in uh, New York with the Jets. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing there. Now, if, if we're going to go ahead and talk about Will Levis having the same type of, of uh, you know, mental limit, limitations in terms of being focused on the right things, good football character, you know, all about football, film junkie, leadership on the field, you know, every, everything about him just screams consummate, you know, professional. You know, if if, if, if there's a, a deviation away from that, then, yeah, I'd be concerned about taking that kid high. But, you know, again, like we don't. We're, we're not inside the mind of Will Levis. And so what we're seeing is a guy that can't perform on the field. You know, what's going on upstairs? And that, those are things that all these scouts are going to figure out between now and April. Well, for me, for me, Will, Will Levis, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of how he is compared to Zach Wilson, obviously the, the whole intangible thing we don't know because we don't, we're not there meeting the kid. But, you know, what I do like about Will Levis is, you know, he's coming off of, of a bad season this year, uh, mainly because a lot of the, the guys around him are, are not the level, you know, the level of, of his teammates isn't, isn't up to par as what it was last year. What some scouts like about him is, is obviously the prototypical size, about 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 230 plus pounds, you know, is, is a pretty athletic kid, big time arm, can make all the NFL throws. Uh, you know, his, his best season was last season when he had, uh, I forgot the, the guy's name, but his last name is, I think it's Tone. He, he, went, he went back to the Rams. He was with the Rams. He came last year, was the offensive coordinator with, with Kentucky. So he played in a pro-style system. He's got pro-style concepts, and that's when he, when he really had his best season at Kentucky. Again, 
Will Levis is playing is a bigger bigger kid. Uh, you know, same type of arm strength. Uh, you know, and and he plays in the SEC conference as opposed to where Zach Wilson played in BYU. B- BYU Zach Wilson was hidden back there. You know, he was a guy that that was you know. Uh, came on late and, and all of a sudden next thing you know he, he was you know he kind of blew up on the scene and had a, had a you know huge you know a pro day and next thing you know he, he's he's being now picked uh, number two overall so for me I, I have Will Levis I think you know obviously none of these guys are sure things but I, I think Will Levis is, is, is a guy that a lot of NFL teams do like because again because of the prototypical size the arm strength uh, you know not a bad athlete and the fact that he has been familiar with with NFL concepts uh, you know, been an offense that, that has run NFL concepts and he's done it in the SEC conference. So I think that's why Will Levis right now is probably going to be your your first quarterback taken, uh, in my opinion. Ravi asks uh, about favorite running backs in this draft. So just give me one name of a running back that you've looked at and you say, wow, this guy can bring this to the Chicago Bears. Neil, I'll start with you. Uh, go ahead and start with Danny. I'm not that deep into that class yet or that, that, that uh, position group yet. Go ahead. Yeah, I've I've started I've started uh, just kind of on the preliminary here as well with the running backs, but obviously I think Bijan Robinson is, is a first round first round running back. I think he's he's a guy that that's got a first round grade for me, uh, not top ten, uh, but definitely a guy you can get in the in the twenties, probably like in that uh, Najee Harris range, twenty two I think went where Harris went. So obviously Robinson is a guy. But you're talking about the Bears, so Bears are probably going to get one if they go running back. Probably you know day three. I'm thinking I don't think they go high you know high in either two or second or third round. So day three, if you look at day three, you know, and, and I'm I'm thinking about you know okay david montgomery assume he's he's not with the bears right so you have Khalil herbert and daring to evans and, and and the kid from uh the, the kid from uh, uh baylor I, I can't think of his name but but I'm t- if you think about like day three guys you know some names that that, that intrigue me is is roshan johnson from texas you know the teammate of Bijan robinson he's another guy that you know big solid you know he's not as explosive if you will like a Bijan Robinson, but he's another in between a tackles runner, a guy that's you know pretty good out of the backfield making catches. Uh, Sean Tucker from from Syracuse is another guy that that will surprise some some people. And I think if he goes to the third fourth round, you'll see him kind of you know a, a lot of teams kind of like him. Uh, I, I mean I know Jamar Gibbs is, is a kid from from Alabama that a lot of, a lot of people like, so I think he's you know late first early second. Uh, I, I think Chase Brown from Illinois is, is a solid you know a solid pro prospect there as well. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at, you know, Kendrick Miller from, from TCU, uh, he's a kid that, that, uh, really tough kid, you know, about 5'11, good, good frame, another in between a tackles runner, another guy that, that's got, you know, leadership on a football field, another guy that, that gives you an, uh, an option in terms of being a pass catcher out of the backfield as well. So, you know, those are the kind of guys you're looking at. If you look at, you know, Zach, um, Carbonell, uh, is that how I pronounce his name? Carbonell from, Charbonnet, thank you. Uh, UCLA yeah. was at was at Michigan. Went to UCLA. Another late round guy uh, that, that intrigues me. You know, Deuce Fawn is is a guy. Is, is a small guy. Kind of think Darren Sproles. You know, but as a guy that, that can get the ball in his hands in the open open field, might not be the ideal number two running back. But he's a guy that can be a weapon. It can be a returner for you. It could be a punt returner, kick returner. Also be a, a guy you can get those jet sweeps. Again, you just want to get playmakers on a football field here to complement Justin Fields. So some of the, those, some of the names, and we'll get deeper into this class as we go along here in draft on tap. I sure hope we don't go into this draft absolutely talking about running backs. To be honest with you, because that'll mean really? that you know David Montgomery's no longer in the conversation, and that'll make me a very unhappy camper. All right. Well, let's. Uh, you know why? Why would you pay? The market value for David Montgomery right now, according to Spotrack, when they compare salaries of other football players, is about $9 million for David Montgomery. So 
Neil, would you pay $9 million, let's say over, you know, $9 million average salary over two or three years for David Montgomery? For three down back with that kind of toughness and leadership and work ethic, 1,000%. Not even a question. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay that much. That that that's nine million. That, that I could I could use somewhere else, especially on a team that's got this many holes. And I love David Montgomery. I don't get me wrong. I, I love Montgomery. I think he's a hell of a character, uh, a, a leader on, on on this team, part of the foundation that we were talking about. But you know, I, my my hope is is because this this refrigerant class is sort of top heavy that a lot of the, the big contracts will will kind of go their way, and then next thing you know, the market will kind of come back down to the bears in terms of maybe bringing back Montgomery on, on, on a, on a maybe five, $6 million deal per year, maybe as a short-term deal to one year deal, you know, come back into free agency next year, maybe it's a one year or two year deal, who knows. But, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, I never give running backs second, second, uh, uh, second contracts unless they're special and and david montgomery why, why i love the kid as a person as as a as a football player as a leader he's a very solid running back but he's not a special running back and i can bring in a guy from in, you know in, in this third round of this draft the fourth round of this draft and pair him up with killer herbert and i'll have a solid foundation in terms of my my uh my rushing attack plus remember guys justin Her justin fields is, is a big part of this this running attack as well you're not going to expect them to run a thousand yards next season but he gives you that added bonus of, of being someone that can also carry the football for you as well. So, you know, putting that much money into a position like running back where you can get someone in third, fourth round uh, that coming in and be a contributor, I wouldn't do that, especially for a guy that, albeit great guy, great team leader, but just not special. Yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the concern that I have, though, is finding – not 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 really finding a running back, but with the holes that we have in this team, using something in the third and fourth round – on a, on a position group that we could easily just wrap up and, and have, you know, squared away for the next three to four years. I, I, I would 1000% keep Montgomery and use all of our, you know, day one, day two, and early day three picks on offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner, um, and may, maybe go ahead and get another tight end as well and, and see if we can find a receiver that can complement the group that we already have. I, I guys, think that'd be kind we, of foolish. We also, we kind of, we kind of just poo poo the fact that they might go out there and, and sign a free agent. But but if what if Ryan Poles says you know what I think Tony Pollard would be a hell of a compliment to uh, you know Khalil Herbert you know and I talking about it I talking about more than nine million probably 10, 12 million. so I, that, again that's too rich for me for a running back but I think he gives you something in terms of not only the ability to run out of the backfield but also to be a slot receiver a guy that can be a weapon in, in the passing attack as well so you know we can't we can't just kind of dismiss it not that I would do it but also take kind of throw it out there and say all right. You never know because what he said is he's just going to just kind of continue to grow this offense and bring playmakers in. And I think I feel like Tony Pollard fits the bill as well. Great conversation, guys. And we've got a lot more football talk ahead of us over the next several weeks. Every other week, I should say, draft on tap right here on the Barroom Network on this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central time slot. And then enter uh, 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 every other week, it'll be. Gabriel talks football at Mondays, Monday afternoons at two o'clock or so. So we'll have a show dedicated solely to the draft every week right here on the Barroom Network. In addition to that, we will be announcing in detail early next week all of our plans for our premium draft coverage. And so we've got a lot of great details and uh, uh, it's going to be a really attractive package for people who love the Chicago Bears and love the draft and looking at the draft through the eyes of people who are 
uh, thinking about how they fit into the Bears system. So it's going to be an exciting three, four months with for us here on the Barroom Network. Let me go around and get final thoughts. Uh, Danny Shimon, anything you want to share with fans before we pull the plug on this episode? Yeah, that just that 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 content you talk about. It's it's going to be awesome, guys. It's going to be it's going to be when Aldo breaks it out, you'll see how much how much information you guys will be getting about all these players and all, all these prospects and. Again, just just our first show here, and I'm already excited. I could go another another hour or so talking about some of these prospects here, but uh, definitely exciting times. Definitely something to keep keep tuned in here into the barroom now because we're we're gonna have you covered from from wall to wall. And and Aldo and I are are gonna be heading down to to the East West Shrine game in, in at the end of this month, so we'll be down there and and and, and seeing some of those you guys in practice live, and then also we'll be covering the, the Senior Bowl as well. So there's a lot lot of players that that we're gonna be going over here the next couple of, you know, next couple of months, really. Uh, and just, just stay tuned. Obviously we, we love you guys' participation. You know, we know you guys know the stuff inside out as well. And if there's any players or any, 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 you know, team or whatever you want us to kind of, you know, talk about or, or break down, just, you know, hit us up either it, Aldo, myself or Neil, uh, you know, he always puts the, uh, our, our Twitter handles out there. Just you know, go hit us up and, and let us know who you want us to cover and we can break it down for you guys easily. So looking forward to it. Neil. Yep. Yep. Moving forward, guys, we always love when you have questions for us, when you ask us for breaking, uh, ask us to break down, guys. Feel free to uh, hit up the Twitter handles, hit up the DMs, let us know who you got questions about or, you know, wherever the case may be. You know, it, funny, Tony Salamonski, I, I saw that one there, who got shot. I'm, I'm assuming he's hearing the, uh, <laughs> the sirens going on in the background here. You never know what the hell's going on down here in the south. It's loop, the man. city of Chicago, baby. You never know what's going on down here, man. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It could it could be any number of things. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is, like, this is an awesome neighborhood. Um, I never thought it was going to be this amazing living basically across the street from Soldier Field. So, I mean, this is uh, – a this is a really cool deal. And uh, so like on that point, um, you know, who knows, we may have a live on remote down in this area, you know, near soldier here in the future. And, you know, we, we've all three of us been talking about that leading up to the show today. Uh, Going to try our best to figure that one now. Nothing set in stone. But I think that would be something interesting and fun and, and dynamic and exciting going, going on in the near distant future here, you know, before we uh, you know put a cap on the, on the strap class, but shit guys, we're just getting started. So, um, you know, what I'm going to be focusing my attention on going forward is uh, these uh, Senior Bowl rosters, the Senior Bowl roster, the East West Shrine roster, um, you know, going into this, uh, this this all-star stretch that we're moving into. And then also, if you look at January 16th, that's the deadline for um, kids to declare for the draft for special eligibility. And so uh, within the next four days after that, by the 20th, all of the NFL scouts, GMs, you know, coordinators, every, everyone within personnel – department side of things are going to have the, the finalized draft list and then they can really actually get to work now so um in terms of deadlines that's what's coming up around the nfl in terms of what i'm diving into all these uh all star game rosters it's gonna be fun it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be absurdly time consuming with my day job so i'll uh i'll, I'll, I'll sleep in may right <laughs> there you go exactly but, uh, the, the day after the draft 100 <laughs> percent. but uh like us follow us subscribe to the, to the youtube channel wherever you get your your, uh, your podcast from barroom network we're excited to have you guys on we do this for you guys it's a lot of fun for us but we do it for you and one other thing uh besides attending the shrine bowl game uh we're gonna have all the practice footage from the senior bowl which the guys have had the last two, three years. And so that's going to really help in uh, the analysis of these uh, college prospects. So for Danny Shimon, Neil Stopchinski, my name is Aldo Gandia. We'll see you here next week and um, bear down everybody. Bye-bye.